welcome to episode 66 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. Another one of our gear and observing podcast updates. I'm Chris and joining me as usual is the telescopist Shane and we are amateur astronomers. That means that we just do astronomy for the fun of it. And this podcast is one way we share our fun with all of you out there having fun with astronomy too. How was your week, Shane? Well, better now that I'm known as a telescopist, I guess. What are, <laughs> is that a real word? <laughs> I have like this this image of you in like a top hat and monocle or a pair of those like sea uh, bottle green glasses and very steampunk. <laughs> oh, I, I was thinking the Monopoly guy. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, there you go. There you go. You do not look like the Monopoly guy. You no, look, you no. look more like a steampunkist. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably fit that profile a little bit so. better. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations. The past week, this podcast passed over 10,000 downloads. It's yeah, that's exciting. A, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I, you know, when we started this thing, you and I have talked about this lots. We had no idea what this would turn into. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of had visions that my parents and maybe my wife would listen to it out of sympathy and, and that yeah. might be it, but yeah. uh, this is awesome. I'm glad that people are listening to it and enjoying it uh, because that motivates me to continue to do it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun and uh, you know, it is like, and we've said this many times, sort of round two um, you're really the, uh, the instigator this time. I think you are the instigator this time for sure. And had some uh, different ideas in, uh, in, in how, uh, you kind of saw it, it would work better and uh, and 100%. It's, it's worked like way, way better this time. It's been more fun and less work. And that uh, that's really what it needs to be uh, in order to maintain the, the pace of putting out two podcasts uh, a week. And that that's just been great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun and uh, no end in sight. We'll keep plowing ahead. Yeah, I w actually watched it roll over. I, I think I was... Uh, uh, emailing or texting you and and we're at 9998 and I watched it flip over to 9999 I was like all right I'm going to watch it go to 10000 and I was refreshing refreshing and then it went to 10001 <laughs> so <laughs> I was a little bit uh, anticlimactic there so uh, it's great but we've also been hearing from lots of people and that's that's a lot of fun too uh, I think it's fair to say though that uh, a lot of the time we receive comments and recommendations versus uh, questions, which is, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They're the, like, it started off with a lot of questions and now we're starting to get some feedback about what other people are using or enjoying, uh, in terms of gear or approaches to astronomy, which is pretty cool because, um, I like to learn from others too. You know, you and I do this a lot, but it doesn't mean we know everything about this. So it's great to hear what other people enjoy about the hobby. And, um, uh, you know, it, it kind of spurs more thoughts in my head about what I can do to, you know, try different approaches or try different gear to improve my observing. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat just to uh, hear back from people and um, like in many ways, uh, a sense of camaraderie or, or community, perhaps uh, among other amateur astronomers out there from from people that are just getting into it to uh, researchers to um, other amateurs uh, like us. It's it's really neat. Um, you know, a lot of the time in, in podcasts, you'll, you'll hear where people will 
um, you know, more like people like us who are just amateurs will pose questions to professionals. And that's, that's really cool. Um, and those sort of shows, uh, you know, Q and A style um, works well. And we certainly get lots of questions, um, but as well, I think we're trying to, trying to sort out how to incorporate our, um, you know, our listeners uh, into, uh, into the podcast, maybe just, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that, that's definitely part of the plan. Um, one of our, uh, one of our listeners uh, we collaborate or communicate with a lot uh, is Phil from the UK. And uh, we're trying to work out a date and time to get him on the show because <clears throat> he's, uh, he's got a really interesting perspective about um, he, he was into the hobby, uh, you know, years ago, and then came back to it recently. And um, uh, I've really enjoyed hearing his journey and his story about that. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people would enjoy hearing that. And uh, uh, no date confirmed yet, but at some point in the future, we hope to have Phil on the show. Yeah. Do you think we could play like a couple, like his, his most recent one, I was really uh, interested in the first few minutes. Uh, do you think we could play that? I think he's, he's fine with us uh, communicating through this medium with him. He's sending us these voicemails. Yeah. Do you have it queued up? I've got it all queued up here and ready to go. Shane, I think people will enjoy hearing it. Rock and roll. Good afternoon. A little bit of news for you here. Hope you're both well and looking after yourself in this horrid weather system that's coming in. Uh, we've had polar fluctuations here as well. It's uh, suddenly immensely cold and then suddenly warm again. So it's very, very odd. Very, very odd. Um, bit of news. Um, I, I'm going to accompany this message with a picture and it will probably make you giggle because <laughs> it certainly did me when I put it on. Um, so the other day, um, I won an auction for something that I've been after for a long time now. Um, and that is... Drum roll, please, maestro. Ding! I won for £14 um, a TMB planetary piece four millimeter um, because everything that I run at the moment is uh, four millimeter or less um, sorry four millimeter or more um, so you know, I run down to four millimeters what I'm saying um, but the four millimeters that I run are simple plossals and they um, very they can be at best difficult to work with um, normally speaking it's the eye relief um, that really, really does make it difficult, if I'm honest. Um, but as I said, I've won. So I, I put it in last night and I saw Jupiter, I saw Saturn. Uh, I didn't get a chance to use it on Mars because it clouded over. But to give a good indication, um, the picture, the, the image quality was absolutely fantastic. The eye relief was amazing. The field of view is just phenomenal. I cannot, cannot wait to put this thing at some Messier objects. I can't wait to see Andromeda uh, play these through this uh, through this eyepiece because it's just like it's almost like my ten millimeter eyepieces, but with the magnification of my four millimeter eyepiece. Yet, yeah, the eye relief of my 20mm eyepiece 
It's just absolutely crazy. Um, I'm so I'm so impressed with it. I'm absolutely so impressed with it. Uh, my wife is getting me a 25 millimeter uh, TMB uh, for Christmas as well uh, to go with my um, Skyhawk. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm absolutely thoroughly thrilled um, with this eyepiece. So uh, that was our correspondent Phil. That was a pretty interesting message, Shane. What did you uh, think about what Phil had to say about the TMB uh, planetary? Yeah, the the TMB planetaries have a, a very you know positive uh, following. Um, in fact, I I think I bought one off of you many many years ago, the two point five millimeter. And um, yeah, okay, that was you that bought that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I now I think at that time I just had my twelve inch mead light bridge, which. I think the focal That's length a on lot that. Of power. <laughs> yeah, it was too much, right? And, and it really wasn't usable on that telescope. Uh, at that time, I did have a little 80 millimeter uh, refractor and I, I did use it in there and it was fantastic. It's just the thing is, is I didn't use that telescope very much and I ended up selling it to fund another purchase, which is kind of <laughs> how I've worked through the hobby over the years is, you know, you buy stuff, you sell stuff, mm -hmm. you take that money, you buy more stuff and you kind of plot along. Um, but yeah, those TMBs yeah. are fantastic. And, and, you know, that's part of the fun, I think, in the hobby is to um, occasionally try some different gear and see whether or not you like it, whether or not, you know, wide field of views are important to you or, or the comfort factor from eye relief, um, all of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, is, is different for everybody. So um, one thing I truly believe quite strongly in, in this hobby is, you know, read every review with a big grain of salt. Because what works for somebody may not work for you or may not be as pleasurable uh, for your situation, depending on your telescope, your eyes. There's so many factors that go into whether or not gear works well for you. Um, I, I think you really just need yeah. to try it yourself and see what you think. And I think Phil's telescope, the main one that he's using is, uh, is an F4 uh, 76 millimeter. So yeah. that's, that's sort of a good sort of medium, high power. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, for and, sure. So, um, and it'll just, it'll, you know, that, that fast focal ratio will, um, um, you know, put a little bit of strain on the optics. So if the, if the eyepiece looks good in an F4, that's a really good indication that the eyepiece is, it was made quite well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, uh, I really love hearing these messages from from Phil and some of the other um, people who are who are listening to us. And then I always, you know, I know, I know you're pretty good about responding and that I just really, um, really enjoy those. And I just really enjoy Phil's energy and, uh, you know, some of the stuff he sends in. And like you said, we've been trying to arrange to, to actually bring him on, but um, for a variety of reasons, it hasn't quite, quite worked. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, you're saying there's a bit of a delay. Yeah, we'll just have to play with that, I guess. Um, but, you know, uh, one of the things uh, that he also mentioned was just about, um, you know, just in, in getting eyepieces in general and other people's uh, recommendations and, uh, and use of equipment. So, you know, it's, it's one of those hobbies, amateur astronomy, that, it's, you know, it's really difficult to become an expert in all facets of it. Like I think of myself as, uh, as a pretty good 
uh, low power wide field observer. And, and, you know, my most used pair of gear is really my hundred dollar uh, pair of seven by 35 binoculars. Um, but really like, I'm just sort of a beginner, maybe, maybe a very, very entry into the intermediate level sketcher and, uh, really enjoy doing some astronomy writing and, you know, try to be a good astronomy teacher, but, uh, you know, it's really great to, to have like a, a big breadth of, of listeners as well as, uh, you know, just, just knowing different people, uh, in amateur astronomy, it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, hobby like that. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoy the, um, kind of the experiential learning, but also the collaborative learning. Um, and, and I think you mentioned it right at the start of the podcast about kind of building a community or, or amateur astronomy in a way is a community. And there's a lot of, um, you know, sort of assistance and collaboration that happens within amateur astronomers. And, um, you know, I think the best thing that I appreciate about it is just the humility. Again, we're, you know, we're all learning. And like you said, none of us are an expert in every area. In fact, most of us are not experts in any area. Yeah. We just enjoy <laughs> looking at the sky, you yeah. know, and, and to share that passion and that love is, uh, is a lot of fun. You know, that's a big part of the enjoyment of the hobby for me. Yeah. And I mean, you really are like, I mean, hopefully this isn't offensive or anything, but you are like an astronomy generalist. Like, um, and if anybody I've met, you do um, a little bit of astrophotography, you do some planetary observing, uh, you know, a fair bit of deep sky observing, um, double stars, um, antique telescope collecting, you know, uh, some, some, dabble in uh, building some of the astronomy gear. You've built some observing chairs, observing cases, made some other things like that. Like sort of in themselves, nothing is like a really uh, huge project, but you've, you've kind of done a little bit of everything in amateur astronomy, Shane. It's one thing that I'm always like really impressed by, by your observing versus me where I'm really just focused on, on the deep sky and, uh, and like Mars and Jupiter, basically. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and that's another reason too why I why I enjoy observing with some other folks like you and Mike. You know, the three of us often observe together. That's just mm. because everybody has different interests or maybe different specialties. And yeah. you know, when I'm out with you guys, I learn a lot, and uh, then we share all of the views at the telescopes, which is awesome too. So, um, anyway, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, you know, a bit of a tangent there, but, but I, uh, I guess that's yeah. one of the big loves or, or interests uh, in astronomy for me. Yeah. And so this week, speaking of tangents, you sent me one of the strangest photos of a telescope that you now own, apparently, I've never seen it for myself and, and kind of wondering if maybe you photoshopped the photo you sent me um, of some sort of wide field telescope. Can you talk about this telescope just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I will also send this photo out over Twitter. So if anybody wants to, uh, you know, get the visual, you can get it there. Um, but what I've done, so this has been sort of a long-term project. Um, so there's a, a telescope manufacturer that we've referenced before, and, and you own one of their telescopes. And this company is uh, called Borg, B-O-R-G. Yeah, I like and the Borgs. Like the Borgs, yeah. Um, now what is like, they're, they're known for probably, I, I would say three things. Number one is really good optics. They make a, a, a fine telescope. Uh, they're known for being very lightweight. Um, but maybe most famously they're known for being exceptionally modular. 
So if you buy a Borg telescope, well, first of all, if you buy pretty much any other telescope, you get a long rectangular box, you open it up, you take out a telescope. When you buy a Borg, you get a box that contains 12 other boxes of adapters and tubes <laughs> and pieces. And yeah. then you, you put it all together and you end up with a telescope, but it doesn't come as a telescope. Um, no. So... I've always been intrigued by the Borgs uh, and looking through yours, like the optical quality is, is just outstanding. Yeah. Uh, you have, you have uh, a five inch refractor, which is, a, yeah, it's just a, a great instrument. Um, yeah. But they, they make apertures of all sizes. And one that has intrigued me for a while is they had, uh, they don't make this one anymore, but it was a, a 50 millimeter F5 achromatic refractor known as a mini 50 or a mini board. It's like a finder scope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a 50 millimeter telescope is typically just a finder on like a Dobsonian or, you know, a Cassegrain or whatever. Um, but anyway, I've been kind of intrigued by it for a couple of reasons. Like number one, um, there's not too many telescopes that are smaller than this thing. You know, a, a 50 millimeter F5 almost fits in your back pocket. Um, like it is quite tiny. Uh, so I love the portability aspect of it. But also what intrigued me was the potential of the wide field views that you could get through this thing. Um, you and I are both kind of fascinated with these little telescopes. You and I both bought uh, 60 millimeter refractors basically at the same time a couple of years ago, and we've enjoyed the wide fields through them. Um, so anyway, long story short here is I started to piece together one of these Borg Mini 50s uh, by uh, initially purchasing the lens cell. Um, and then I kept looking for the other parts, which is, you know, like the, the main tube, with, which is kind of a neat tube, actually. It, it, um, it has an adjustment on it so that you can extend the focal length or shorten it for basically rough focus. Um, and then you would have like a, a smaller, like helical focuser for fine focusing. Uh, but anyway, I needed the tube and then I needed like some adapters to made it to like a two inch diagonal or an inch and a quarter diagonal. And lo and behold, a, a recent auction came up that had a whole bunch of these components uh, for a pretty good price. And I, I won it fortunately. And uh, the photograph that I sent you is uh, this little 50 millimeter telescope with a two inch diagonal in it and a 31 millimeter Nagler, which is one of the largest eyepieces that you can buy, I think, in terms of weight and even just physical size. So it really looks absurd. Um, but the cool thing is that um, this should give me like a, about a 10 to a 10 and a half degree field of view, um, which I'm quite excited to see how that looks. Um, somebody on Cloudy Nights did this exact same thing, but instead of using uh, the 31 millimeter Nagler, they had a, it's a, it's a really old eyepiece. It's an 88 degree uh, 30 millimeter lights, uh, or I think that's how you say it. L E I T Z. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, and he, uh, he said it was a fantastic view that, um, it was pretty much sharp to the edge. He said he didn't measure it by drifting, but just based on the star field, he thought it was about 10 and a half degrees. And, wow. uh, you know, that's about seven times power. So to imagine seven by 50 binoculars and, and like a 10 degree field is just, you know, quite quite astonishing i'm very excited to see this thing under a dark sky <laughs> yeah that should be uh pretty amazing yeah yeah 
And then sort of part, or, or maybe like a part two to this is this, this bundle of, of Borg parts that I just, uh, you know, purchased via auction. It came with enough components as well as another 50 millimeter lens cell. So now I essentially have two of these little telescopes. Oh, wow. And what I'm thinking of doing, um, I have to give this more thought. And, and I actually, I wouldn't mind. You have to opinion. give it to me, Shane. You have to give it to me. <laughs> well, that's an option too. But I, you know, um, what, what, what I was thinking of doing is just mounting these things side by side on a, yeah. like a dovetail. And that just would be kind amazing. of measuring. Yeah, measuring my interpupillar uh, distance um, and then spacing the telescopes appropriately. Um, so it probably would be tuned just for my eyes. You know, maybe by luck, some other people have the same, you know, eye spacing and they could use it. But um, yeah, where, where I'm kind of struggling with this is like for a wide field view, I'm not going to put two nagglers on the back because A, I can't afford that and B, the weight would be ridiculous. Um, so I would probably end up using two, like say 24 millimeter panoptics. Um, but then I'm only getting, and, and only is this is still a fairly wide field of view, but I'd be getting around seven degrees, uh, in terms of field of view. And, you know, like you can go buy seven by 50 binoculars for a hundred dollars with a seven and a half degree field of view. So I'm not sure if I'm winning a lot, yeah. you know, building this thing. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? Should I, should I do it? Uh, and if I should, what? I think you should, would... if you can do it, do it. Yeah. Yeah. What would the benefit be? Yeah, I, I think so. Just the experiment alone. I think it's just, if you have the parts, yeah. it's a process worth going through. Yeah. I suppose the, the issue though, then is I have to double up on diagonals. I have to buy another pan optics. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not an easy. It's thing not to my complete. money, so. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, that's why I, I figured I knew the answer that you'd give me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, that, that yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, um, I think people will enjoy uh, seeing that uh, Frankenscope. Yeah, yeah, I'll send out the photo. It's uh, it's kind of amusing. So uh, so I ordered a, a couple eyepieces and a mount this week. Um, it's for, uh, it's for a relative. And, uh, anyway, um, interesting process to go through trying to sort of help somebody pick out a first telescope and, uh, you know, going through, uh, uh, you know, whole episode soon on how to pick out like a, like a first telescope. And, uh, anyway, it's just, just really interesting to kind of step through that process. It's almost easier once you've been in this for a while, but, uh, so many of the parts um, that you need to sort of cobble together to really uh, bring together a good package um, can be difficult for newcomers to uh, to thread out. So uh, hopefully we can we can step people through that uh, in the next show. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, that'll be awesome. I, I, it's a great topic, and it's uh, it's the right time of the year. Some people might be thinking of buying some Christmas gifts. So we can maybe help you out a little bit with, you know, some first telescopes or, or, you know, beginner, beginner stuff. Yeah. So speaking of, of getting out and actually doing astronomy, I was out a few times this week, um, did not take a telescope out. It was minus 20 degrees Celsius some mornings before the wind chill. And uh, I, I did have a good view of Venus, Mercury and the moon on a few mornings. Uh, just naked eye and one morning with binoculars. Uh, but that was, uh, 
that was it. Were you able to get out and uh, and see the the parent? I know your view to the east isn't quite as good as mine, but didn't know if you got out and saw that or saw anything else, Shane. I did not see the pairing. Uh, again, my Eastern view is terrible. It's so obstructed. Like I lose 25 degrees probably just with the obstructions around my house. Um, but I did get out one evening. Um, I think it was Tuesday night. I did 90 minutes and um, this was kind of a fun night because um, I was not just observing, but I was testing some cold weather gear as well. Um, so that night it was, um, it was minus 15 Celsius, but with the wind, which I was actually exposed to, uh, it was minus 22. And, um, so I stayed out wow. for 90 minutes. Yeah, cool. uh, yeah, it was chilly, but, uh, 90 minutes without a warm up, And, um, part of it was just, you know, I've had my big jacket, my pant, you know, all of the insulation that I, I normally would wear. But what usually gets me is my fingers freeze and my toes freeze. And that's what sends me in, into the house yeah. early. And um, what I purchased uh, recently, um, so maybe even to pack up a little bit to Phil, um, he has a great recommendation. You can get these little catalytic hand warmers. Um, Zippo makes them, but others make them as well. And you add a little bit of lighter fluid to them, uh, you ignite them, and then they just emit heat for quite a while, actually. And they're, they're really, really effective. Um, but over the summer, I caught a sale on these thermocell heat packs. Now they're reusable, okay. they're battery powered, and you just charge them using USB. And they claim you get, well, there's three different like heat settings and, you know, different um, uh, durations as a result. Um, I think the, the shortest duration is four hours and then it climbs from there. Um, okay. so I bought four of them, two for my gloves, two for my boots and tested them this week. And I, I've never been that comfortable outside, uh, in the winter time. You like got to send me a link to these. Yeah. My hands were great. Uh, my feet, like I, I just sat in my observing chair on like my concrete patio too. So like, you know, my boots are, are, you know, basically, um, kind of radiating the cold up through the sole into my toes. And, and, you know, that usually is one of the, like the killers for me and no issues at all. So I will send you the link there. Wow. I think for a set of these yeah. things, regular price, you get two of them for like $50. The sale that I caught was basically 50% okay. off. So, you know, that was quite nice, okay. but, um, yeah, uh, they seem to be great. So I like them. Um, as for the observing, I all had right. my I had my 76 millimeter out and uh, spent the whole time looking at Mars again, because, hey, you know, tis the season for Mars. And the views were so-so. Um, you know, I'd say seeing really actually wasn't that great. Um, I was using a, a 10 millimeter eyepiece with a 1.8 bar low. So that gets me down to that six millimeter range, which was about a hundred times in that telescope. Um, and I'll say that Mars really looked like a pinball bouncing around. It was just, you know, jumping up, down, oh, left, okay. right, all over. Um, but it did. Okay. Because kind of... I was going to say that we didn't really have any, any good nights. And I was, there was one night that was kind of clear, but I was like, I don't think it's worth observing. Yeah. It, it did sort of <clears throat> very small increments um, improve over the 90 minutes. Um, but it was, it was still fun. And it taught me, you know, even on, on some of those nights where the seeing isn't that great, 
if you're patient and you're diligent at the eyepiece, you're still going to be able to see some stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, during the, the brief moments of steadiness, I caught the Southern Polar Cap. Um, Certus Major really actually was outstanding during those steady moments. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think I need a glass of water here. Yeah, it was, it was me that was talking about having, uh, <laughs> having some asthma today. So <laughs> yeah, you, you I've been pretty good actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, you know, the, when you get a tickle in your throat chain and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the darkness though of Certus Major, um, was really, really good when it came through. And, and, you know, I, when, when I start to see surface features like that, I, I rate the view as good when I can start to see some unevenness in the border, you know, like the transition from the dark zone to the lighter zone. And that night I was definitely, uh, able to see that. Um, I think I'm going to butcher this name, but it's Acidus Planitia. Um, it had considerable brightness. Um, I wasn't able to see any northern uh, polar cap. Um, but I'd also like to read a little bit of an email excerpt. I was emailing with um, uh, a fellow amateur astronomer uh, from the east, east part of Canada. Ooh, I should have had this queued up here. There it is. And um, we were just talking a little bit. I, I'd like to share my observations with him. And, and um, you know, he provides some of his experience. He's, um, he's observed for many, many years and has probably forgotten more than I'll ever know. Um, but uh, where is it here? So, you know, night after night, I would start with various six millimeter eyepieces or with a Teleview three by six millimeter zoom at six millimeters. Over the course of the evening, as Mars would rise higher, I would swap focal lengths and or eyepieces out um, uh, to allow for more power as the sky conditions improved. Um, now, you know, he said the, the more ability to see tiny detail improved enormously, the more I observed, the better I could see the low contrast features, uh, you know, of the surface. Um, at the beginning of the evening, there was very little difference between the different eyepieces as far as ability to discern detail was concerned. But then as the night wore on, some of the higher end eyepieces really started to, um, to kind of show their value or the, or the difference that they can uh, provide. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, you know, I, I skipped some of the stuff here. Um, you know, he, he, he would observe Mars. This is during the 2003 opposition. He would observe Mars every night for three to five hours. Um, if the skies were clear and he would do this no matter what the seeing was. And he felt that even, you know, kind of testing his eyes and trying to make observations during moments of bad seeing really, really improved his ability to see details on good to excellent nights of seeing and felt that um, as he observed more, even you know through those bad nights of seeing, it just improved his ability to see detail night after night. So it's kind of an interesting commentary of how like you sort of train your eye to see some of this detail and that you can sort of build up the expertise of that eye uh, over you know a short period of time, as long as you're diligent. I'm not sure if you've noticed mm -hmm. that or not, Chris. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's hundred percent. That's definitely true. Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, the more you do observe Mars, um, definitely your ability to, to pull out the faint details, um, you know, like for example, and even like, 
each opposition, you'll you'll kind of go through this to a certain extent as well, and and none more markedly than your first opposition or two. Um, you know, I was recently talking to uh, to one of the people in my class, and uh, and they're going through this. They bought a really nice eighty millimeter refractor, um, good mount, um, persons. Um, you know, been doing this for a couple of years now, went through the whole binocular and learning a few things in the nighttime sky before buying a really good, good quality, not like crazy high end, but a really good, decent beginner, um, apocrymat. And, uh, and yeah, when they first went out, they were just seeing the disc, you know, and so they, they're kind of going through that, uh, as well. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting just to, uh, just to sort of see that through other people's eyes as well. But uh, yeah, for sure. Like when you first start going out at the start of the opposition, you know, two or three months before it's at opposition. And by the time it gets to opposition, you're really able to pull out a lot of fine detail. And that's the trick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right on. So uh, I didn't, didn't really get out this week other than what I said, but I meant to share a um, little bit of a, update on my Nikon EIC 1.6x Barlow. And so this is an image amplifier. Basically what it does is takes a, uh, takes an eyepiece and, and increases the power by decreasing uh, the focal length. So it takes my 10 millimeter and basically turns it into about a six or six point something. Um, and my seven into like a 4.3. And so I use those eyepieces uh, in it quite a bit. And I, I had debated getting that Barlow or getting the Pentax five millimeter or getting even uh, a Nikon uh, super wide like you have, uh, which I borrowed from you, which I really like that eyepiece. Um, feel like it gives very good definition, neutral color, and, uh, and it's nice and small and light. But anyway, I decided to go with the Barlow, a little bit less expensive than, than those other options. And, uh, and I'm really happy with it in the hundred millimeter, um, but it doesn't work in my uh, FS60 uh, Takahashi um, with the extender in. So when it's in the mm -hmm. F10 mode, um, I need way too much in focus, like mm -hmm. way, way too much. Like it's not even close. So that's a little disappointing. Yeah, that's interesting. My, <clears throat> well, my Takahashi 76 millimeter in the native configuration, my 1.8 times TMB Barlow is able to uh, reach focus. However, if I have the Q extender in the telescope, the TMB Barlow no longer require or is able to reach focus. It needs more in focus travel as well. Yeah. So I see the Pentax XWs are on, are on sale now, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of already spent the money. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, I finished teaching my astronomy class for the term. Um, I do uh, not quite semester length. There, there are eight classes um, that make up the course. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting, you know, like I, I tried to plan the courses out. Um, but then, you know, there's always uh, different people that take the class. Um, you know, sometimes it's people that have taken it before. There's, there's usually a few of those, but um, there's also new people. And then this time, uh, it seemed to be a couple of people that had taken it before, plus a couple, you know, a few newer people. And, uh, and they were, they were sending me all these really beautiful astrophotos and, uh, I'm not really much of an astrophotographer and, and I really don't know much about it. So I was kind of letting, uh, letting these, uh, individuals sort of drive those portions, uh, of the course and, and talk about their photos. And, 
and I think they all sent me these beautiful photos of the moon and and sometimes um, I think there was one night uh, when in October when the moon and Saturn and Jupiter were sort of all paired together in the sky and they actually all ditched the class kind of for a little bit and went out and took photos and so like live kind of in the class they're sending me like I think I had three or four people send me the photos uh, during during the class and then uh, I was able to kind of share those with the rest of the class uh, the next week and they each kind of uh, spoke about them um, yeah so it was it was really cool one person and I think you were talking to this person as well as uh, she took some photos of the moon through her binoculars yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really neat and creative way to do some astrophotography, particularly uh, if you don't have a telescope. And what she did was just had the binoculars on a tripod, I believe, or maybe they were even handheld, but then she took her yeah. iPhone. And, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, and just put the camera of the phone up to, you know, the eyepiece of the binocular and, and snap some photos. Pretty, pretty creative. I like it. Yeah, so had some, had some feedback and, uh, you know, I... I start teaching again uh, for the university and it, it, it's another non-credit course. It's uh, anyway, I won't go into it. It's complicated, but I, but it's out of campus, but it's something the university is, is offering to first responders. Um, so I start teaching that this week and then that's going to go for, I think four months or so. And then that's on the nights that I usually teach my um, or on the at, late afternoons, uh, the same day that I usually teach my astronomy class. Um, so I'm actually going to split my winter class into two four-week sections. And then uh, I'm going to do the first one on the winter sky. And then uh, the second one I'm going to do on the spring sky. But I'm also going to do a lot on space exploration because um, I had uh, quite a few uh, requests for that. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, space exploration is interesting. And, um, you know, kind of a... I think that's a new topic, isn't it? Because I think you usually focus yep. more on like the observational aspects as well as like, you know, the scale of the solar system and universe and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's sort of something I've been, I was thinking a little bit about myself, a little bit about, you know, doing as part of the course too. And uh, anyway, so we're, we're going to give that a, give that a go should be, you know, should be pretty, pretty interesting. So um, yeah, so the next few months are going to be pretty cool. So, uh, what, uh, what are you thinking, Shane, for, uh, for, for your cold winter months? I'm going to, uh, do my class in the winter. I'm going to write some journal articles, uh, get that scope ready for my, uh, nephew. I, I got to clean some eyepieces and, uh, might try to steal your time for a couple favors. So I need, uh, you bought a spanning wrench, I think you mentioned a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah, I bought it for filters. And, you know, a lot of lenses are held in by a, a ring that requires a spanning wrench to tighten or loosen. So, yep, I do have one. So I've got a couple filters that are loose. Can I contract you out to uh, tighten them down maybe? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's no problem. And And you could actually start with these ones if you're worried on your own because... Um, I think the one that is the loosest, um, and, uh, the, these sort of things happen, like we've talked about before we share gear in the field. It was, I bought, uh, a two inch, two, two inch nebula filters. I bought an O3. Um, and I was sort of the first one in my group of friends back in Ontario who had, who had bought a two inch O3. And I can't remember, maybe I looked through it once and then my friend asked to borrow it and, and I handed it to him and he borrowed it. And then when he was handing it back to me, I think I kind of like fumbled it and dropped it on, uh, on a gravel road in the dark. 
and actually chipped it pretty good. <laughs> so, oh, no. so, uh, but, but so, so start with that one because <laughs> it's, well it's, it's already damaged. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure you won't damage it. The other thing is I have that zoom eyepiece that we've been, um, we've talked about a little bit and it, right. it just needs a small adjustment too, I think. And then now I, I cause so I'll kind of feel like at this point I'll, I'll owe you something. And <laughs> what, what we'll do is now that I'm done my astronomy class and, and have a little bit more free time is, uh, if you, and if you're interested is I can set you up with, um, sort of like a starter sketching package. And oh, yeah. cause I have all these, these extra pencils you you were asking for some anyway anyway i i have loads of this stuff so i'll set you up with like um you know probably four or five pencils and sharpener and um, probably a blending stub and you know basically all the things you need to get going and then i have i have a book and i can just lend you the book um on on getting started with uh with astronomical uh sketching so um and that could be interesting to talk about too we could kind of i could kind of make you up a package of all this stuff. And then you could, you could take it and then kind of, you know, I think we could get some material for some future podcasts out of that, uh, that shoebox of fun as well. And you could, you could borrow the zoom eyepiece for a bit and, uh, and see how that compares. Yeah. 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 No, this all sounds good. I like it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll accept your offer. This, this sounds, this sounds like a, a good thing. Cause right. I would like to get, uh, I'd like to try sketching anyway, just to see if it is for me and, and if I enjoy it. I feel like it's, I, I feel like that's the only thing you haven't done yet. I feel like, I feel like you've probably done some sketching, but. Uh, uh, yeah, but the, the only sketching I've ever done is um, just like with a pen and my notepad, I'll quickly jot like the star field. Um, yeah. If I'm not a hundred percent sure of the object that I'm looking at. And then, you know, I go check it in my planetarium software. Yeah. Um, but those sketches are certainly nothing to write home about. They, <laughs> they yeah. really serve a small purpose and it's not to look at for beauty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of feel the same, the same with mine, but anyway, uh, I'll make you up a pack and then uh, put these other things in there as well and, and put a bow around it or something. And then we can, uh, uh, you know, get a tea in and all that stuff. So, uh, so what are your plans for the colder months? Well, you know, I, I really want to just keep observing. I'm hoping that the colder, like, I hope the temperatures don't stop me. And that's one of the motivating factors for me observing this past week was just to test kind of my warmth, uh, uh, you know, with my, all, all, with all of my gear. So yeah, my plan is to keep going. Um, now the problem with our climate is if it's decently warm it's usually cloudy and if it's yeah. clear it you know minus 20 is a warm night so, that's right yeah so we'll have to see um yeah. but what i plan on doing is um i, I want to pull out I, I have a 60 millimeter royal astro uh, tasco telescope from the 60s sitting in my garage um so i'd like to put that into um uh in, into a functioning state and that'll that will become kind of my winter telescope cool 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 yeah. Um, you know, and, and one thing before, before uh, we sign off here today is I think this is going to come out on, on Tuesday, which will be the, I think the 17th, which is the, the night of the Leonids, but the Leonids aren't going to be that big a deal uh, this year, the Leonid meteor shower. Um, but on the evenings of November 18th, and 19th. So uh, anyway, for us, this is coming up Wednesday and Thursday night. We're going to have the moon, Jupiter, and Saturn uh, all together on the horizon. 
that night. So it could be worthwhile for people going out to uh, catch a glimpse of. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, you know, I'd forgotten about that. So good reminder. Yeah. Good stuff. Hopefully we'll be clear of that. And hopefully it'll be warm enough. In fact, it's supposed to be six degrees here on Wednesday. So oh, gee. I know. And, uh, and, you know, people might say, well, that should be a good thing, but it's not a good thing when you live in an environment that has acclimated to minus um, 10 to minus 20 uh, when it warms up like that, it, it, it can make uh, the ground shift and, and the, the ice uh, really, really build up. So anyhow, Shane, do you have anything else to add to this, our 66th episode? I do not, sir. That is all I have. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to ask us questions or leave feedback, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Actual Astronomy, or you can email us. We are actualastronomy at gmail.com. And if you would like to support the podcast with a donation, uh, we are selling merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash actual astronomy. We wish you all clear and dark skies.